Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, when she was filming my cousin Vinny, I was subletting her apartment in LA while she was on location. Uh, My roommate at the time was Tony Award winner John Benjamin Hickey. And to be flooded with memories talking to Marissa about that time, about her Oscar win, and then just talking about so many incredible things that she has done plays and TV shows and movies and just a life of artistry and creativity and integrity. I have loved her from the first. I remember meeting her all those years ago. I remain a fan. I'm so proud of her and feel lucky to call her friend. Welcome Marissa Tomei to the podcast. A-okay. Marissa Tomei, Academy Award-winning friend of mine and uh, extraordinarily talented artist. Thanks for being on the podcast today. I'm so happy to be speaking with you, my friend. Me too. It's um, It's been so long uh, since yeah. I've had a chance to really talk to you about some of the incredible work that I've watched of yours this last year. But most recently, I had the privilege last night of watching The King of Staten Island, and I loved it so much, and I'm just really moved deeply by this movie, and I thought that your performance um, as Margie, as Pete's mom, was so uh, nuanced and deep and funny and sort of everything you do so well, and so I would love to talk a little bit about the movie, if that's okay with you. Yes, yes, thanks, thanks for watching it. I, I haven't seen it yet myself actually so uh this will be fun for me (laughs) wow so did you have to do any adr have you seen little bits of it Uh, yes i did a little bit of adr we i did see some little bits and in general i don't i i I find it excruciating to to watch anything that i've done so but this one i want to because i want to for pete and i want to for judd and i'm really um proud of what they both did. They, Judd was, Judd was going into a um, different territory. It's, it's a really funny movie, but even when we were shooting it, I was like, oh, this tone, he's going for a different kind of tone uh, that he's gone for before, but also tone is everything in a, in a film. And he was really tr- trying to find that sweet spot, which I, I, I can tell that he, that he did. So 
I guess I, I feel that's what I mean. Like, you know, who am I to be like, I'm proud of Judd Apatow, but I am, I am, I am, pr I'm proud of his, his stretching and, and finding like another layer of where he is now in his life, what, how he wants to express himself, you know, tone, tone is vibration too. So I guess he's in a different vibration of his life. And then Pete, because he's taking such a giant, giant risk, uh, exposing himself and also stepping into actor's shoes. So yeah, so I think I will make myself launch it at some point. Well, I have to say, I think everything you're describing, um, the reasons you feel particularly proud of these artists uh, really did shine through. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a very intimate, small movie covering just huge themes. And maybe you could talk a little bit about what, how you were introduced to the project. And, and when you talk about Tone, what Judd said he wanted to do when you guys met. Um, and so how did this movie come to you and, and tell me that story? You know, it was, um, I had known Judd a, a little bit. I, I did a cameo in Trainwreck via Amy Schumer, uh, who invited me along for that day. And it was so fun. And I just, <laughs> it just became me as just off the charts, incredible. And I, so I did this, this one day on that. And um, uh, so he, could, he knew me a little bit. And then really with this one, I don't really, really know how it happened. I think the traditional way, like my, you know, my agent pitched me or my manager and um, probably, I know that Pete told me later that he, uh, that he wanted me to play this part. I think his, his actual mom probably had a hand in, in who she, who she wanted or would approve. But um, well, I wound up speaking with Judd and, and he, he laid out how, there was going to be a lot of improvisation and how did I feel about that? And he knew that I had done um, that before. And I mean, I actually had done it a lot without me really realizing it because it, uh, when I was being trained, we do, we did improv, but we didn't do a lot of improv. Like there wasn't, you didn't go to upright citizens brigade for a, for a, a year and get your chops in improv and stuff. It just wasn't part of the toolkit so I had never really thought of it as kind of a separate thing, but even in my cousin Vinny, that you blend line, it was just an improv. It was things that, there were things we made up there uh, on the set. But he right. asked me about um, Cyrus because the Duplass brothers are really that's their meat and potatoes is 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 improv. So he knew that I had done it. But I, I had kind of felt like a flop in that in that film, so I didn't really want to talk about it that much because right. there was like Jonah Hill, one of like the quickest minds in in America, <laughs> and John Riley, who is adept at everything he does. So, um, and also there's a there was there's a sense of you know that's improv is interesting because um, I'll get back to Judd in a minute, it, it, but. but you know what? What is the role you're playing? Like my role in Cyrus, um, and even my role in this. Really, it's not. It's not. The focus is not on my character's inner life or my. The parameters of what I can improv about, right, are going to be narrow. I yeah. have, you know, in any case, yes, you have to move along a certain plot or a certain, um, you know, uh, objective in the scene, and the director's got to have his eye on that. 
and his or her. And, and in this case, you know, he, that's what I was very relaxed because I knew he knew what he needed in each scene, or at least he knew which alternates he needed and that could pick from late and he could pick from later. But I guess I felt a little, um, I didn't feel as free because I was like, well, I'm this mom. And the, and even though she's in it, I'm talking about in Cyrus to a degree, you know, even though she's integral to this relationship and <laughs> they really are in this symbiotic codependent thing, the focus is on the male characters and it's not really about their relationship. So, um, I was a little, uh, I was a little shy <laughs> and, and yeah. I thought, I don't know what he, I, you know, we talked, we talked a bunch about it. He said that it was going to be a lot of improv that, um, he didn't really talk about the tone at the time, or maybe he did. And I just somehow didn't quite grasp it. And, um, but he, he talked about Pete and how Pete would be exposing his, uh, that it would be semi-autobiographical. He'd be exposing some of his personal life and that he was mm-hmm. also a vulnerable, fragile person and so, uh, you know, on the one hand saying, Hey, do you want to come play? And on the other, we're going to have to be the grown ups. I remember he said that because I was like, I don't want to be the grown up. <laughs> I was like, I don't, that's not why I'm an actor. <laughs> um, exactly. yeah, um, but, but eventually I knew what he meant and, uh, and it really, it wasn't the case. It really was just, we just all had a very playful time and I wound up feeling so liberated and the way that Judd works is uh, a way that I never want to change. I want to do it that way all the time. It it was, it's not just like, Oh, improv in like an amorphous way. He's, he knows what he's looking for, but also that's the way he sets the, the, the context of the set and the, the house, how safe you feel the camera's just, it's just running as, and he's not. So you're in a conversation and then you're suddenly in the scene and then you're just continuing the scene and you're going, Oh, is that, do you want it like that? Or wait, Oh wait, I messed that up. Let me just, and, and yes, you do that on regular sets in, in filming, but you're always having to cut and it's, and there's a lot of tension. So right. it's, it, he doesn't even, it's always kind of freaked me out that we open ourselves up on every level as, actors and you're just this, you know, insides out on your sleeve. And then someone screams, action! <laughs> and then the yeah, whole, yeah, you yeah. know, scream it down the street, action, 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 And then it's like, okay, now we're going to battle. No, I'm trying to like open up every pore. Um, so yes. do that. He doesn't do that. So that's like, just like an ex- one example of how the atmosphere was so freeing. Did you guys do a read through of the script as a company before you started shooting? We did. We did um, rehearsals that were writer based. It was really interesting. Very, I guess it's in a Mike Lee kind of vein. We'd mm. get together first out here in LA and then in New York before we started shooting. And we'd and and this was like at least a month out. Like we'd go over to to Judd's studio and. We just, he'd give us the scene as what it was written as, and then we'd do it, but then he'd say, well, let's, how would you really feel in that moment? Like, just start, just start talking, just start riffing, start improving in the rehearsal process. And then he's got cameras and um, recording it. 
and he's got um, co-writers there who are listening for the the goods and pulling it out, and then they go back and recraft the scenes. Wow. So that was a long process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and was uh, Pete and Bill Burr and Maud Apatow were were. And Belle, were everybody, were, was the entire company there or was that just you and Pete or you and Bill separately? It would be, it was separate to whomever you were having a scene with. So okay. So it wasn't all together. But you know, there was, as we got, you know, now you're reminding me, closer to start date, when we got to New York for those rehearsals, we went into like a big, um, you know, circle with everybody and all the firemen too. And so you'd be in the same room and be, uh, even if other people were quote unquote, like on stage doing their scene, you were still in the room and that was nerve wracking. It was scary, but it also- To, to you know, not feel like, to not feel performative, like you, because other people were watching before it was cooked, like what was nerve wracking? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because it yeah. was, it, 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 it not only wasn't cooked, it was, it was widely erratic in terms of what, you know, what might stick. And yeah. Yeah. And also the, the, yes, exactly. Like I was certainly just starting to sniff around to, well, who really is, who is uh, Margie? Because I hadn't spoken to his mom yet at that point, maybe once. I didn't base it on Amy, but I did want to connect with her. And Judd was really, um, really, really wanted me to. And, uh, I'm, I'm really glad I did because I, I could not figure out how, I just didn't understand how someone was so patient. I was, I just could not, I could not. What do you mean? Wait, what do you mean by that? I mean, well, my character. Yes. Was extremely patient. Yes. It seemed like she was taking a lot of crap and, um, and I just, it wasn't a pleasant place to be actually in a lot of, t- when we were filming it too, like in the scenes, the set was one of the most fun I've ever been on. But in the actually, um, the emotional component was um, kind of, I, 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 it, it wasn't a place for, it was hard for me to live in that place, but not hard for Amy. That's not how she sees it. Um, and that was really helpful to me. And like, as you know, one of the great things we get to do as actors is, is walk in someone else's shoes and kind of spiritually understand the world in a different way. And, and just being around and talking to someone who has so much faith in her son, understands um, his limitations, but also sees where he could be heading in the best way understands the trauma and just has endless, endless patience for him. Even to everyone questions it. Everyone, and even in the movie, right? The Bill yeah. Burr's character questions it. Everyone in her life was questioning it. I was questioning it. And um, well, we can say that she was, she was right because Pete is, is, is growing up and has so much to offer. And she, she always saw that, you know, she always had faith in his healing. What was your experience like with Pete? That was uh, um, just, I felt kind of like, I already, I felt in his family pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Like kind of, he has a little bit of a vibe like my brother when my brother was a little younger. It's like I could lanky and dark eyes. And I felt 
more brotherly and sisterly than um than maternal mother son yeah yeah um but he's just he's really funny and he's really uh he's really honest so i like being in that space with anyone who just you know calls it like they see it yeah yeah but it is different, you know, working with stand-ups versus uh, – or well, let me not assume that. Did it feel different working with people who uh, were more in the comedy world, Bill Burr also, um, than other scene partners that you've had? Did you have to adapt to that? And is that what Judd meant when he said, we're the grown-ups? Did he mean in terms yeah. of the kind of work you've been doing and how you approach the work? No, he meant um, let we just have to you know be sensitive and keep an eye on on Pete, the real Pete, not the character. Okay, and the, right, like the fragility of that. Yes, yeah. is I mean it was such a family affair. You talk about Pete, you talk about his mom Amy. Um, I haven't even described for our listeners, but basically it is um, an adaptation or a fictionalized version of facts that we know about the the person Pete Davidson in the world, which is his father was a firefighter and he was part of the tragedy of 9-11. The story in this movie does does not follow that exact same trajectory, but the general story is of a of a son um grappling with that kind of trauma in his life. And and so I just wanted to quickly put out for those who haven't seen the movie yet, it it is loosely based and beautifully drawn on Pete Davidson and his family's real story. Um, and in the movie, Maude Apatow, who is Judd Apatow's real life daughter, plays your daughter and Pete's sister, um, which just seems really dreamy, like to get to literally work with your with your daughter or father. And I wonder, was that a joyous thing to behold? Absolutely, it was. And they... Uh... I, I also ran into them on uh, a few occasions outside at the theater, um, you know, outside of work, um, and just saw, they were just together all the time, just thoroughly enjoying each other. And um, uh, we went to see what was that? That Natasha Leone produced a play that was so good. Um, anyway, it was extremely. Oh, I think it was called like blown or on your knees. It was basically all about, uh, the, she does like a, a full like hour and a half about giving blowjobs. <laughs> and, and it was so funny. And like, and Judd's there with Maude. And yeah. I, so half of my attention is on this brilliant show. And half of it is like, Judd's sitting right next to Maude through this whole play. <laughs> I know. Wonder what that's like. Yes, and he did say later. He was like, "Okay, that was that." You know, we we go a lot of places together, but that was a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, even for them, I know. Yeah. Well, I think about. It. I remember you telling me like a million years ago about a play you were doing. Maybe it was Beirut. Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. But a play that your dad was like, who was the most? I mean, your family is is phenomenally supportive and has always been, but your dad was like, I'm out. Like maybe there was nudity. I don't remember which play it was. And I'm like, right. It's so, it gets so blurred and complicated. And then when you're working together, um, I mean, there are things I don't even want my dad to see just because it would be too awkward, let alone him directing it. Like it's a whole new language that just wasn't part of my personal story. Um, but I admire that. And it's, 
and she's really talented and it's kind of exciting to watch her. I also, okay, so there's two other things that I got to see you do recently um, in a career that has had such extraordinary longevity and and the way Marissa and I know each other is we both started out in a theater company called Naked Angels in New York, which was very much a playground for learning all the things that we're still doing in certain ways. Um, but this year, I got to see you do this part in this incredible movie, this year meeting last night. <laughs> and then I got to see you on Broadway just blow my mind in the rose tattoo. Um, and then I got to see you play Edith Bunker in All in the Family. And if we just were to take these three roles and not even mention the other hundred film, television and theater roles that you've done, like what an incredible assortment of kinds of uh, writing um, that mm. you that you were drawn to for so many different reasons. So um, I don't know if we could kind of talk a little bit about All in the Family. I know that wasn't yesterday, and I don't know if it's as fresh in your mind as it is for me, but um, can you talk about that experience? Because it was sort of mind-blowing how perfect it turned out for me as a viewer. I don't know what your experience of it was. <laughs> I was not nervous to watch it. Um, I was thoroughly relaxed, but I wondered what it was to do it. <laughs> uh, well, that's unusual that you were nervous because I think a lot of people were like, oh, God, are they going to ruin all in the family? What, what, <laughs> I mean, it was Norman's brainchild you know, to bring it and can uh, Jimmy Kimmel to yeah to make it happen. It was really, you know, just when I was like, you know what? My career's over. I'm packing it up. It's like, I, I, you know, I'm getting into like a slow period and it's just so hard for women. And, uh, you know, it's been trying to be part of a system that isn't supportive as we see all over the news now and, and for artists, you know, and that incredible, incredibly articulate and pointed uh, letter that the Black community put out uh, just yesterday. So, um, that was really phenomenal. And it just, yeah. being, okay. So what, what, what is the, what's the, it's still, um, a hierarchical white patriarchal kind of vision for, for everyone else. And you've got to kind of squeeze into these little boxes. So I was getting into a place of like, I have, I, I've gotten to work, but the hustle is getting to me. And, uh, out of the blue, just uh, just when you think you're out, and they bring you back in. And, <laughs> and Norman called me directly, and uh, just did like, you know him? I met him like years ago because of Naked Angels. Remember Maggie Lear was such yes. a supporter. Yes. So I had when I came out to LA, I was friendly with Maggie too, and also because Sue Leibman was is her best friend. So, you know, that was it. That was decades ago. And he was so. Yes. And Sue Leibman is a, is a talent, is an acting manager just for people who shout out to Sue Leibman. Huge theater supporter. And it yes. was uh, started with uh, Manhattan class company and also naked angels was around a lot yeah. um, um, and continues to, you know, like is an, an incredible art, artists supporter. And uh, anyway, 
I don't know how he got my number, but he's normally there. So of course he got my number. So it was just a random number. I don't even know why I answered. I normally don't even answer my phone. And he's yeah, like, yeah. Hi, it's Norman. And he says, well, remember, remember 30 years ago when I said that I was going to, going to give you a ring, I'm giving it to you. I'm calling you now. <laughs> And who could resist that? So, um, but it was, I love how you pointed out that the kinds of writing are so different because that's what's so thrilling. So you have the sitcom format with a very broad comic um, rhythm and then this improv, but um, kind of heartfelt, darker tone in Judd's movie. And then the high lyricism and, and melodrama uh, and also Screwball in, uh, in Rose Tattoo in Tennessee Williams writing. It was really so satisfying to be able to do all that. Sorry, there's traffic. Yeah. No, that's okay. Um, so he's like, I'm doing this. I have this concept. Jimmy Kimmel and I are going to do this sort of series. Um, it, it felt very Playhouse 90 in that way in terms of how it was presented. Um, mm-hmm. Does he say in Woody Harrelson and and – Ellie Kemp, like, does he kind of already set up for you what the whole cast is or not yet? No, I think that Woody was, I I don't even remember if, if Woody had, um, uh, no, no, definitely no one else was cast for sure. Okay. Uh, it could have been Woody at the time. Um, yeah. But it was it was just like a free, and and also live and I was like yeah I was saying yes to him on the phone right now but I gotta get out of this I'm not doing this and also this is like, a terrible yeah. idea yeah I was like I'm not going this is like of course I'm talking to you and it sounds great as soon as you hang up it's like that is terrifying and no and then and also I was like Edith what you know <laughs> how did he even it's crazy that's I, not I, obvious casting it turned I, out to be the most brilliant marriage but it doesn't make sense on paper. It was so much fun. I think that he thought of me really because I, because as I was describing, I was kind of like taking this uh, step back, at least in inside, and then and I was at uh, like in t- in my interior life, and I went to eat at Chris Bianco's uh, um, pizza joint downtown with my brother and a couple other friends, and uh, Jimmy was there that night. And I think, and, you know, we just like said, we all were friends with Chris. So we said, so it was really food. Basically what I'm saying, it all had to do with pizza, food, and my brother, and and, and really not much else <laughs> that made that happen. Like all, like all good things. Yeah. Those are kind of perfect things, right? Like, yeah. like love and food and creativity yeah. and loyalty. Like those yeah. are beautiful. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So how does one, I mean, here, here are things that were interesting to me. I know that show, right? I I watched that show with my parents. I probably, I remember thinking like, I loved Sally Struthers' hair. Like the things I connected to uh-huh. <laughs> um, were were like teenage things. Like I, I wasn't living that life. I, I didn't quite understand the depth of the politics of that show. I found it really entertaining. And I knew that, it was radical and um, really pushing the envelope in a very exciting way. I don't know how deeply I thought about it at the time, but yeah, I loved little- it. And I, yeah. yeah, and and I love, and, and Edith Bunker reminded me of people that I knew. Um, but I wonder, 
how what the expectation is when you guys are thinking about doing it is it like people will watch it who know it and will feel sentimental were there people who watched it who literally because Marissa Tomei and Woody Harrelson are famous and we want to see what they're doing did they have any idea what it was you know what I mean? Like, it's so interesting to me. Yeah. Like, my kids would watch yeah. it because they love you, but they wouldn't know this was a show that already existed. Like, they wouldn't know anything about it. Well, I think it became that, kind of what you said, like, more of a family, uh, like, yet again, a family event, because now our generation was telling, hey, this is what this was about. Come, We can all watch it together. And uh, and there was a little bit of explaining the background and and, and enjoying it together, um, from different perspectives. I think that's what did wind up happening as far as I could tell from the feedback I got. Did you understand that, you know, you did the rose tattoo, you were brilliant. No one said, listen, I want you to play Anna Magnani. Uh, I'm Trip Coleman. I'm a director. Will you do Anna Magnani in the rose tattoo, right? Like you're doing Marissa's interpretation of this classic role. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a way in which there was a channeling of Gene Stapleton in what you did, um, but a very full Marissa at the same time. And I wonder how they, how Norman, how they talked to you about it, because there was a real tipping your hat to the original actors who portrayed these roles. It was not a departure. Mm -hmm. So how do you even start to think about that? Well, um, I just, you know, it, it's infused in the, she, she's basically, Jean is a, a co-writer of that role. So oh, it, I didn't know that. No, I mean, yeah. I, I'm kind of saying euphemistic. Like, uh, right. Yes. Got it. Of but course. She was for so long. Yes. She was channeling that character. She was a Broadway yeah. star, but she was, and she, she would sing. So mm -hmm. they were singing in. Like when you're on a, you know, when you're on a show yes. for a long time, people do start to pull things from your life or from your essence. So I think it was already imbued with her essence to, you know, such a degree. And, um, she, I, I, I mean, I did ask for her blessing and mm -hmm. I did kind of tried to commune with her and uh, Norman was like, just, just look at this. The only, we, we really didn't get too much uh, because also everyone was, it hadn't been done in so long and we're doing it live and it was it was kind of thrown together, believe it or not, the first one <laughs> was like, in a way. So it he just said, just you know, look at it as its own, as if someone just sent you this script. But of course, okay. there's that. But you also still know that this is the legacy. And um, so I just wanted to know more about the background of the character, and uh, I could and in the episodes. I avoided watching the episode that we did, but I did watch a lot of the first year of All in the Family. And what I was looking for was not to copy mannerisms or not to copy the voice or it was mo it was to, in the episodes they talk about, 
Oh, well, when, when Archie was in the army for these years and, oh, remember when I had that job and then I left that job and remember when my cousin came. So I got like, I would just keep a list of all the background and, and, you know, all the, all the homework that we normally do to create a character, but it was already, it's already there. It's in the show. So Mm -hmm. I, I called that together and worked from that place. Well, did you, I know you don't like to watch yourself, but did you watch that? Have you seen what you did? No, I didn't. I haven't watched it. Oh my God, Marissa, <laughs> you have to. There, You will be so happy. <laughs> you- <laughs> I've, been, I've been in a long time doing that. I'm like, I just want to do this. I'm like, Can I? but they yes. don't do live shows anymore. To me, it would, it would combine the thing, you know, get to do live theater essentially in a short format yeah, yeah. <laughs> once a week and you yeah. put him, you know, that's it and you can go home <laughs> totally I mean it was like summer stock or something when you yeah. described I mean how fast it must have all gone um well so tell me about uh the rose tattoo and um as you look back on it sort of what's your favorite memory of doing that role on Broadway Um, uh, well, I'm thinking about, about all the women and, um, just, that was so unusual because, uh, it was like being in a musical or just like a little taste of a musical. And Mm -hmm. so there are all these dancers and singers in, in the show. And uh, that was really great to meet a whole nother you know, kinds of artists that I'm not usually on the same stage with. It's like, you know, being with musicians. Yes, I'm musical and I'm around musicians, but I'm not on stage with them a lot. So this is like the same, it's the same kind of thing to, to a really, really incredible Broadway performers. Um, so I think about them, I miss them. And I think about um, doing that, that this in the second act, really getting to fly uh, on the in the date scenes with Eamon Elliot and just being so um, silly and uh, just being so tuned into each other. I mean, what a dance partner! Oh my God, like, we were just so so in sync, and that just very very rarely happens. And it's just bliss, as you know. When when that Do you know each you other? Did you that. know him? Was this the first time you'd worked together? Did you know him even socially before this play? Mm-mm, I didn't know him at all. Uh, and he came over from Scotland to do the show. So I didn't, no, no, I didn't. It was it was a leap on all of our parts. <laughs> and did you read together? Like, did he come in and you guys kind of work on it before he got the part? Were you a part of the casting process? Trip. Trip went. Uh, Trip uh, did did it and uh, came back from overseas and said, "I want you to meet a couple of these people." And yeah, we read, but I think Trip kind of had it in his mind and he knew what he wanted to do. Was that a part that you had seen when you were a younger actress, and was that something you always wanted to do, or was that someone else's idea for you to do that play? Uh, it was something I really explicitly did not want to do because I did not want to. Uh, I'm always trying to get away from that, from anything that's 
um, could could be a, well, not a, not that that play is a stereotype, but for me, trying to uh, like be challenged in terms of range and um, I thought, well, I don't want to do another Italian thing, even though this was Italian, real Italian, <laughs> not American Italian. But um, yeah, so I hadn't, and I had seen it also years ago with uh, Mercedes and Anthony. And, uh, it, but I don't know really, I wanted to do it. At a certain point, I, I read it, we read it aloud uh, for Williamstown. And then I was like, oh, oh, you, you have to, once, once you get into it, this is a whole nother kettle of fish. And yeah. uh, it, it just, it's just so heavy on the page. And then, it, and so vibrant and nuanced and uh, uh, speaks so specifically to what women feel inside. So once we read it out loud, I was I was really, I really, really, really wanted to do it. And then I had to fight really hard to um, be allowed to do it because I wasn't um, the person who was chosen to, who they wanted at first. Oh, I didn't know. That is a little known fact I did not know. Mm. Well, I, fulfilled I the bet little they were really glad. <laughs> we're done. That's all we wanted. Um yeah. I want to go back to um, when you say sort of uh, Italian and when you say Italian, meaning Italian from Italy versus uh, New York Italian or specifically in your case, Brooklyn Italian um, as a girl who grew up in Brooklyn. Um, it is, you know, undeniable that all these years later, you sort of when you talk about getting away from something, you know, you you put a stamp and your stamp on something that became the bar. Like if you want to be authentic and for people to believe in you, watch what Marissa Tomei did in My Cousin Vinny. Start from there. That is the blueprint. And don't even try if you can't even begin understanding what she did. And I want to, you know, first of all, I think I was living in your apartment in LA when you were shooting that movie. I was just oh talking to John Benjamin and we were like, oh my God, that's when we were subletting Marissa's apartment. Um, that's just so crazy to me to kind of think back to that. I can picture your leopard furniture in the living room, like crazy. So... I'm glad I was able to help you pay the rent while you were shooting. Like, I want to start with that. You're welcome. Um, but I want to like talk about um, this thing that just was so exciting for all of us because we knew you. Like, our friend just won an Oscar. Like, it was so crazy. And there's Frank Pugliese, you know, at the Oscars with you. And it felt like it could be happening in our backyard. Like, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, so first of all, did you so audition true. for my cousin Vinny? I did. I did indeed. Um, I, uh, yes, that was an audition. Like it was an on tape thing and, uh, a different kind of on tape than the kids do. Now. <laughs> and, um, uh, I think it was like VHS level on tape. Yes. And, Yes. Uh, the, uh, and um, I, and actually, 
I, Joe tells me that he, Joe Pesci tell, tells me that he saw that tape and he's the one who picked it out because obviously like, you know, I was, who was I? And he, he was like, I, I think, I think this kid. And so that's, so then I, I don't remember if I went in and read with him. I guess I did, but he's the one who I was, I think I was in such a state of shock all constantly during those, that period of years. I don't remember it all very well. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But then, so Jonathan Lynn was the director, right? Am I remembering yeah. correctly? Um, and so suddenly you are in this movie, and I guess I'm wondering, the the kind of comedic, um, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but like this idea of just going for it, like full out, like not holding back, but sort of inhabiting that character. Because anyone who knows you, yes, you grew up in Brooklyn and and yes, you know people like that, but that wasn't, you know, that's not how you walk through the world. Um, yeah. Thank you for so saying that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're elegant and, and you know, uh, educated and, um, and, as was she, but I guess the biggest difference is even though you live in that, grew up there, you don't have that accent naturally yeah, when you dialogue I, with people. Yeah. And Brooklyn now, everybody, you know, you live in Brooklyn. Everyone lives in Brooklyn now. Yeah. But, you know, like, I think at the time people didn't know how big Brooklyn is too. It's a giant and there's lots of different pockets and I didn't grow up in that neighborhood and, um, and with, I actually had moved into my grandma's I, I stayed with my grandma for a little while but in preparation for that movie because she was closer to um you know that vibe so that you start re so did you do that when you think back to that audition and I'm, I'm sure it's hard to remember do you think it was as full out as she became in the movie I, I really don't remember. I'm sure I worked on it with yeah. um, Kate McGregor Stewart, who's been my, my acting uh, teacher for a long time. Uh, one of them, but the primary one. And I had started taking class with her in uh, Hell's Kitchen in, in New York. And then I'm sure that we just worked on the scene because I definitely worked on it with her, you know, when, once I got the job. And we worked on it. We worked on it together. So mm -hmm. I must have. I'm sure that's what happened. Was it a joyous experience or a really scary experience doing that movie? It was kind of. I, I mean, I wasn't like really like a fully cooked human being. I think <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, yeah, trying, trying, you know, going around. We we had our, our the theater company. I missed that terribly. I missed like the foundation those were really the, the most fun years for me was the naked angels years and sure um, and that kind of and I didn't really want I was scared to do that movie like I, I I had gotten this job because you just auditioned for everything but I didn't really want to do that because I was scared of being pigeonholed and in fact that has been um it was a blessing to do it but it has been something I've had to fight and uh forever um so I, I, at the same time, I had gotten like a small part in a, in the Spike Lee movie, but when my agents, you know, and manager kind of talked me through it, um, and they, you know, they were like, you know, take this. So 
but I was I was really scared. I'd never been. I didn't even know what on location was. I'd never right. gone anywhere. What does that even mean to like pack up and live somewhere else to do a job? I I, I hadn't really thought through any of that, and I, I and I hadn't been around cameras very much. I had done uh, the sitcom and I'd done a lot of plays, but I hadn't been on. It was the second movie set that I had been on, so I didn't really know. And I'd have to ask Joe. He, he was just really, he protected me a lot and, and helped guide me a lot. Right. Um, and tell me things about the camera and, and things like that. You know? So I was, it's, yes, short answer, yes, terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then everything changed, right? I mean, then you won an Academy Award for this part. And that was actually your first nomination. You were nominated three times. And when you talk about sort of the way you chose things, I mean, when you think about The Wrestler, when you think about these other movies you've done in your career, like I, it sounds like maybe you had to really fight for those opportunities or do smaller movies to be able to break the mold of my cousin Vinny. But man, you've really done it. You've really done it. I mean, the kind of art that you've continued to make, you're returning to the theater constantly. Um, I'm so happy that I get to tell you in person today how it's been really beautiful to watch your career and just to see you make these choices that are just deeply artistic with, you know, all sorts of successes or, or not for the actual project, but always with this integrity and depth and beauty and you know, you talked earlier about sort of getting permission or a blessing from Gene Stapleton. And I know like having known you for a long time and living in your apartment, there's like a very deeply cultivated spiritual side to you. And so it's sort of astonishing to me when you said even when, you know, all in the family came around that Marissa Tomei, I think people will be astonished to know was going, do I have to pack it in? Like still, after all this time, that there's still that ride and uncertainty about what kind of opportunities will be there next. And I think people don't realize that that's a really ongoing journey if you want to do really good things that stretch you. Yeah, I I, I appreciate all of that so much. I'd be like, I'm going to call you next time. I'm really down. <laughs> Thank you for that. You should. You should. Absolutely. Um, I do want to, I know you moved this week and there's so much going on and we sort of had a, a sidebar little known fact, but is there something that sort of comes to mind that isn't even necessarily work related about, you know, who originally was going to be in the rose tattoo, but something more meaningful to you that you'd want to share about yourself with, with people who don't get to know you intimately in real life? that I harbor a desire to make some kind of show or well, maybe a podcast, maybe a podcast inspired by you uh, about um, female spirituality around the world. Wow. I'll listen. Okay. <laughs> Marissa Tomei, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. What a beautiful way to spend some time on a Wednesday. And I thank you. Likewise. I thank you. Big hugs, big virtual hugs. Clouds can make the wind blow, bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Clark and recorded in New York City.